right, everyone, welcome back to Vernacular Podcast. Today we are rejoined by someone who's been on this show, I don't know, four times before? At least. It's been a while. We are are welcoming back Nathan Seipt. Nathan is uh, a really cool guy who flies helicopters in the United States Air Force. So, Nathan, thanks for your service. And he is into all sorts of really cool things, Uh, you know, hiking, climbing, uh, biking, camping, and most recently, coffee. So we actually wanted to have him on to talk to us about coffee. Nathan, welcome mm-hmm. to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back. We really appreciate your support of the podcast. I know you've been one of our longest running listeners. And from the very beginning, you listened to Vernacular. And you also mm-hmm. are one of our patrons. So thank you very much for that. Your support means a lot. And yeah. it's it's always been really fun getting feedback on episodes from you and knowing that at least one person is out there listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've always enjoyed it. You guys do a good job. So yeah, keep it up. Well, thanks, man. Well, I'm really excited that you suggested talking about coffee today. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, when you first suggested this, I was like, coffee, that's, that's, I mean, like, sure, why not? But that's not something that I would have thought of right away. But Oh, no, I was like, right. coffee, this is part of being human. Yeah, well. <laughs> what part of flourishing life? Like, of course, coffee. It's a necessary part yes, of being Yes, why have we not talked about this before? Well, on further reflection, yeah. it occurred to me, I mean, obviously, part of a flourishing human life is enjoying all of what life has to offer, especially those mm-hmm. things that are found in nature, as coffee beans are. And not right. only that, but I think there are a lot of things in life today that are over-commodified. Things like sex or music and all of those things are over-commodified, but also it's a lot of the simpler things that we don't think about. Like the fact that everybody goes to Starbucks, but nobody really knows the story behind coffee, uh, although Throughline right. just did a really good, interesting episode on that. No Ooh. one really knows the differences between you know AeroPress and French Press and what a pour-over is and what a Chemex offers within the pour-over yeah. genre and all of these things. And there's just a whole world to be explored out there. And I, th- I, th- I think that's one reason why hipster coffee shops are such a hit. Because it's a way that yeah. young people in our generation are. Was grab- it the equivalent of slow food, the slow food movement? It's totally like the slow coffee movement. Yeah, yeah. and they're, yeah, like people in our generation yeah. are grabbing onto this and saying, like, no, we're going to take this back from Starbucks, like the and make it more human, the overly yeah. globalized, capitalized coffee production system, and we're gonna we're um, gonna latch on to what is essentially human about this. I think it's the same thing that we right. find in like microbreweries, right? Like we don't need Coors Light yeah. and Bud Light; we can brew our own yeah. beer and and really cultivate something beautiful here. And I think coffee is is much the same way. So I'm excited to hear your yeah. thoughts on coffee, Nate. So start us off here. What's the average coffee consumer? Uh, what what should the average coffee consumer know? And when I say average con- coffee consumer, what I'm really talking about is me because <laughs> I go to Starbucks and I see all of these things. And I'm like, oh, nitro cold brew. That looks cool. Sure, Sounds I'll try fancy. that. I have no idea what I'm drinking. Normally my order yeah. is just a like a either a standard, you know, grande latte or a standard grande mm-hmm. dark roast. And that's what I go to and, and that's uh, what I rarely depart from. And I'll, I'll be honest and admit that I very frequently go to Starbucks because it's easy and I know that they have what I'm gonna like. And yeah. I tend to not frequent the sort of hipster coffee shops that I just extolled in my previous remarks. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so if yeah. you're talking to, to me or someone like me, what's the first thing I need to know about coffee? Let me back up just a little bit. So what you talked about at the beginning with the hipster coffee shops, that would be considered third wave coffee. Okay. So where we're taking it back from Starbucks from, uh, to a certain degree, Pete's coffee out of Seattle as well. Um, we're taking it back and we're making it smaller again, you know, micro bot coffee, smaller coffees that aren't roasted as much. So Starbucks coffees are generally 
I would consider them over roasted. Okay. Um, which makes them taste more uniform, but it kind of it can it can kind of roast out some of the flavors of the coffee. Starbucks, um, Pete's coffee, they would be considered second wave coffee. And the way you distinguish second wave coffee is from first wave coffee. So first wave coffee is like Folgers. So Folgers, you know, swept America. Now every everybody is drinking a cup of coffee at home before they go to work. Second wave coffee is Starbucks and and Pete's and they're like, we can we can do this better. We can have more variety in coffee. Um, and it really brought in the espresso, espresso based drinks like lattes that you mentioned um, that really introduced those drinks to Americans. And then third wave coffee is more of this like slow brew, slow food um, kind of methods like AeroPress, pour overs, that kind of stuff. So what I would say about Starbucks in general is, yeah, it's consistent. It's available everywhere. It's decent coffee. Um, but like I said, I, I generally consider them over roasted. Um, I myself don't like lattes a lot um, because I'm lactose intolerant. And most lattes made with almond milk or something like that are not as good. Um, but I do enjoy Starbucks cold brew. That's a good one. Um, the cold brews in general are going to be less acidic just because they brew for a longer time. Um, so they're going to be smoother and less acidic, um, a little more caffeine hit again, because I think they brew for a longer time. So it extracts a little bit more of that. Um, but I think that's a great option if you're going to Starbucks, especially in the summer in Austin. I totally understand that. <clears throat> I, I tend to, uh, avoid Starbucks at this point in Minot in North Dakota, where we were, it was kind of our only option. They were the only game in town. Well, I was just going to say that we've had the same experience, especially if we're traveling, we're on the road. We don't really know what your yeah. local mom and pop coffee shop will offer, but we know that right. Starbucks, like you said, I mean, I guess they over roast it, but it makes it more uniform. Right. So you know what you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. You totally know what you're getting. And if you have a drink that you like at Starbucks, keep drinking it. Like I'm, I'm probably a coffee snob and I'm not going to turn you away from, you know, if you like what you're drinking, then keep drinking it. I, there's no problem with that. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about yeah. methods of, of, I guess, roasting or preparing coffee again, mm -hmm. you know, assuming you're talking to someone like me, who's coming from a position of total ignorance. So <laughs> you right. mentioned that Starbucks, uh, over roasts the beans, um, yep. is, is the, is the new way to under roast the beans or you just perfectly roast the beans. I don't know what the <laughs> alternative is. Well, there's, there's actually a lot of debate on that. And, you know, my opinion that Starbucks over roast is that it's, it's, it's just my opinion. You know, like I said, if you like it, keep drinking it. Um, but if you don't roast the beans to such a dark level um, where they're dark and oily, a lot of the more flavors of the coffee will come through as particular with coffees like um, high altitude coffees like Ethiopia okay. um, and some from Costa Rica, I would say, or Venezuela. Um, a lot of those coffees can have a lot more flavor when you don't roast them as much. Um, but the risk is that it can become bitter if you don't brew it correctly. Um, and so that's why I think a lot of companies um, steer away from that because if you don't brew it right, then it just tastes bitter and you don't get any of the actual flavor. I feel like that's been my experience with some of those more designer coffees. I'll order something at a more hipster coffee shop and it is sort of, you know, exotic sounding and it's promised to me right. that there are, you know, notes of raspberry and cocoa. <laughs> and then yeah, I yeah. taste I it and I'm like, like overcream it. To yeah. Make it, it taste I taste good. it and I'm just like, this is like bitter and acidic and right. it just, I don't know. It's not very pleasant to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. And, and I'll be honest, I, you know, I see those, um, <clears throat> descriptions on the bag, you know, where it says blueberry or raspberry or, 
citrus or whatever and, and I taste it, I'm like, oh yeah, I can taste that. But if you handed me the cup of coffee and then asked me what I tasted, I wouldn't probably tell you blueberry. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's all kind of placebo at that point. Yeah, totally. And if I, I, I've tried to hand it to Sadie sometimes and be like, hey, taste this. What do you think it tastes like? And she's like, I don't know, coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I feel that way too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So how about methods of preparation? So I, I know that we are brewed coffee people here. We have a, a you know, not a curry machine. It's just a coffee standard pot, drip. right? Standard drip. Right. Is that yeah. what it's called? I don't even know that. Okay. So standard drip coffee. Yeah. So when I go yeah. to Starbucks though, I normally say like, you know, grande dark roast and they'll, they'll say sometimes, or sometimes they'll say decaf in the afternoon and, they say, and they'll say, we don't have decaf brewing, but we can do a pour over. And mm-hmm. my experience with pour overs has been that they just taste like weaker to me than the standard drip. So um, mm. what's, what's the deal there and what are some other options for coffee method or coffee preparation methods? So I wouldn't guess that that's the fault of the method. I would guess that that's the fault of the amount of beans and water and the grind size that they're using. Okay. Um, cause it, the basics for brewing coffee all have to do with grind, the temperature of the water, um, the time pressure, which is only a case for AeroPress or espresso really. Um, and then having quality water. So <clears throat> depending on how you adjust the grind, the temperature of the water and um, the time is going to affect the strength, the bitterness of the coffee. Um, so you can get a good cup of coffee from a drip coffee maker. You can get a good cup of coffee from a pour over coffee maker. You just have to make sure that you're using the appropriate grind size and the amount of beans and water um, to get a good cup. Okay. Got it. That makes sense because I yeah. have had some pour overs where I think, this is really good and it's like really smooth and yeah. I'm getting a lot of flavor. And then I've, I've had other ones where I'm like, this is like hot water. That's sort of black. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's why consistency is super important in coffee. And that's why I use a scale at home to actually weigh my coffee beans and the water. So when I do a pour over, I weigh the coffee beans, I grind them, I put them in, and then I put the, the cup with the pour over on it on the scale as I'm pouring the water. And that way I know I get a consistent cup every time. And if I screwed up something, I usually know why and how to adjust it for next time. This is what I do. I take a giant can of Costco Kirkland Signature pre-ground coffee. I take a giant tablespoon. I don't level it off or anything. I just sort of haphazardly scoop some stuff in there. I count out six scoops, uh, plus or minus one if I've forgotten a scoop. I, uh, I, I didn't know there was that much variability to our morning coffee. I fill coffee. up, uh, I sort of eyeball the amount of cups of coffee that I put in the carafe, and it's like approximately seven because I figure that, you know, I'm going to lose some some volume of water to like steam burn off. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and then I hit the power button and, <laughs> and <laughs> or some, the, the free program button and then some yeah. black stuff comes out and you know, with enough half and half, it's great. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, we, we recently took a step backwards in our coffee making, uh, process and went from whole beans ground ourselves to pre-ground coffee. Yeah. Because I just didn't have the patience to grind beans every single night. Because <laughs> the wonderful husband that you are, when our third child was born, you took over the coffee yeah. making and right. and yeah well yeah so we like we said it the night before right and uh yeah. i just kept forgetting until it was really yeah. late at night and then i was like i don't want to grind beans <laughs> and like if i do yeah. it in the kitchen i'm going to wake people up so i have to like take them into the laundry right. room to and like no this is just yeah. not let's just get a giant can so, of pre-ground yeah. stuff at costco 
My my grinder's in the garage, so I don't wake anybody up. There so I, I weigh the beans inside in a cup. I take that cup out to the garage. I grind it. I put it back in the cup, and I bring it inside to brew the coffee. <laughs> but um, I'm I'm thoroughly yeah, the, shamed, the, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> thoroughly shamed at my my coffee preparation. So the problem with pre-ground coffee is that it releases all of the oils in the coffee, which are all the flavor in the coffee. Right. Um. And then 80% of the CO2 that's stored in the coffee and that CO2 gas is what kind of expands and pushes the oils out. Um, 80% of that is gone in minutes. Wow. Uh, and like 60, 60% of the aroma of the coffee is gone in 15 minutes. So even if you did grind them at home the night before, it's not much better than getting them pre-ground. You know what I mean? Oh, I feel better now. Okay. Oh, that's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, so the so key I, is just to grind it literally right before you pour in the hot water. Right. Wow. Yeah, I put the water on, and right as the water comes to a boil, then that's when I go and grab my beans. And that's bring amazing. Them back in and start brewing. Yeah. And yeah. so you actually pour the water on right, right as it's reached boiling, or, or it's it's basically so actually you want water at two hundred to two hundred five degrees. Okay. Uh, not two hundred twelve. Um, you guys are closer to sea level. Where I am, water boils at about two o seven. Okay. Um, so I I take it pretty much right off the boil because it's boiling at 207, but depending on where you are, you'd, you'd want to let it sit for about 30 seconds to a minute to let it come down to 200 to 205. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's fascinating. So what's your preferred method? You're describing a pour over to us when you, when you're, when you're walking through this process, is that what that yep. is? Yeah. So that's a pour over. Uh, normally I do that in the morning when I have more time. Um, a lot of times I leave for work by six 30. Um, but making coffee is, kind of important part of my morning routine. I enjoy it. I enjoy making it manually. Um, so normally what I do is as soon as I wake up, I shave and then I use my AeroPress uh, because that's very quick and I can use my electric hot pot instead of pour, uh, boiling water in a, in a gooseneck kettle. Yeah. I love hot pots. When we, when we lived in Europe, I fell in love with those things. They're, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. So for a pour over, it's really ideal to use a gooseneck kettle, um, which is one of those kettles with a long, thin spout. Okay. And that just helps you pour the water more accurately. Okay. But for an AeroPress or a French press or um, what else do I have here? Yeah, pretty much AeroPress, French press. It doesn't matter. So I use just my electric hot pot for that. So I can I can boil the water quickly. Um, the AeroPress itself doesn't take very long. So I make myself a cup of AeroPress and I drink that while I'm eating breakfast and putting away dishes and then I normally make a French press uh, right before I go out the door and I leave half of that for Sadie, my wife, and then I take half of it with me to work. So uh, real quick, what's the difference between a press and a pour over? So a press in general, um, so you're going to have the coffee and the water all together all at once uh, in the press. And then you're going to press it um, through something to filter out the coffee from the coffee, brewed coffee water. Um <clears throat> So for a French press, normally you're going to get more what they call body in the coffee, which comes from the oils because it doesn't have a paper filter. A lot more of those oils are going to stay in the coffee um, and it can help retain some of the flavor um, of the coffee, but it can also lead to bitterness if you do it wrong. Um, French presses, from what I found, are pretty forgiving. You know what I mean? If, you, if you're not using a gram scale and you just measure your six tablespoons of coffee, you're probably going to be okay with a French press. Um, it's not going to be a big deal. Uh, but with a pour over, I think that's where accuracy really matters. So the pour over, the difference there is normally it uses a paper filter. You wind up with a cleaner cup, um, and you wind up with more control over 
the brewing process. You know, you can adjust the, the grind size, you can adjust how you pour, how you stir, how long it blooms, which we talked about the CO2 release. That's when like when the water first hits the coffee grounds, everything kind of blooms up and bubbles up. Okay. Uh, so that's the bloom. That's where a lot of the flavor is released. So with a pour over, you can kind of control that bloom a little bit more. Um, and, it, and it results in what people would call a cleaner cup without so many of the oils. Um, and it can really allow certain coffees like Ethiopian coffees, lighter roasted coffees to shine um, and really kind of get that flavor that the blueberry flavor that everybody talks about or something. Yeah. So it sounds like the pour over is a slightly more labor intensive it is, yeah, and that's why I normally don't do it every morning. Okay. Normally, I do that on the weekends when I have a little bit more time and I can focus on it. Yeah. So, in the yeah. uh, on the sort of spectrum of effort, we could say, you know, like your your sort of Nespresso and Keurigs are on the the easiest yeah. plug yeah. and play end, and then sort of drip, and then presses, and then pour overs. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'd say that. And then, actually, um, I don't know if you guys follow Semi Rad on Instagram at all. No. So this guy, he's a, a recover, recovering, I guess he's recovered alcoholic okay. um, who he does a whole bunch of, he started drawing cartoons on napkins, a whole bunch of backstory. Anyway, he has this chart where it says, how much do you like to talk about coffee? And then it's a, <laughs> it's from, you know, it's a sliding scale from left to right. And on the left is Keurig and then there's drip coffee maker. And then way over on the right is like cold brew and uh, pour over. Um, and so that's, yeah, it's basically the difficulty of making coffee, but guys who make their coffee with a pour over, like to talk about how they make their coffee. <laughs> Wait, this is, this is theory. the, this is the meme you sent me then, right? Like a few weeks ago. Uh, oh yeah, I think I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is sounding very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And you yep. said like, that's me on the, over here on the right, right? Exactly. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm, I am, I will say this, I'm not quite a Keurig guy. I mean, I'm clearly completely ignorant, but I've never liked the taste of Keurig. So like, what's up with that? So a Keurig is pre-ground. It's wrapped in plastic, so I imagine some of those flavors of plastic leak into the coffee. Yeah, sure. Uh, Keurig machine itself is almost impossible to clean. You know, there's some, like, hoses that run through it. Who knows if those have mold or oh, crust or disgusting. whatever. Oh, my goodness. It's yeah. usually in, a, like, an office oh, setting it, or there, something. There is a shared Keurig exactly. in my office, and I've never used it, and now I definitely right. will never use it. Right, yeah. And then uh, I don't know if they reach temperature. They're probably not reaching high enough temperature. Okay. And then just the cost of those pods, yes. and the waste of the pods, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, at least some yeah. of them now I think are biodegradable, which makes me feel a little bit better about, about right. the people, right. so many people using them. But at least the yeah. first generations, they were all just a ton of plastic. Like, let's just load up this yeah. coffee into plastic and we'll throw it out when we're done. Right. Why not? Yeah. Um, drip coffee makers can be a good option. I mean, a lot of them get kind of sidelined in this third wave coffee, but... If you look for a drip coffee maker that is specialty coffee association or SCA certified, um, that will be able to produce a golden cup according to the SCA. So, what, so what is a golden cup? It's basically their standard for coffee. Like okay. it, it has the proper temperature, the proper time, um, and it can brew a coffee that tastes as good as any other method, essentially. Oh man, I'm gonna yeah. look this and, up. So an SCA so certified an, drip coffee maker. This is what we yeah. need. For it's my, for my clearly very distinguishing coffee balance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're, they're going to cost about a hundred to 250 bucks somewhere. Okay. In there. So, yeah. but, but, and that sounds like a lot, but if it's something that you use literally every single day and sometimes multiple times a day, that, right. That could be right. worth its weight in gold over a long yeah. span of time. Honestly, if you wanted to get into 
kind of better coffee at home cheaply. Um, the tools I would recommend are a, a burr grinder. And if you want to do it really cheap, you can get a hand burr grinder, um, a hand powered one for 40 bucks, a Hario Skirton. That's what I used when my grinder, I had an old cheaper burr grinder that broke. Um, and I used a Hario Skirton hand grinder for about six months until I could save up for a more expensive burr grinder. I have a Barazza Encore now. Those cost, pardon, those cost about 140 bucks. Okay. But, but again, it's something I use multiple times every single day. The hand grinder, does that mean you actually, like, there's a, is there a crank? Yeah, there's a oh, crank. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I actually, I, I kept it. I still use it when I travel. Um, and I'll just use it in the hotel room. I bring my own, like, mini travel hot pot and my AeroPress, and I brew my own coffee in my hotel room with That's my hand awesome. When I travel, yeah. I bring a Starbucks gift card on my phone, and <laughs> it's really great. It unlocks a world of adventure. Right, right. Uh, okay, so yeah. a burr grinder, that's B-U-R-R. -R. What, what, what is a burr grinder? What makes it a so burr grinder? So there's basically two types of grinders. There's a burr grinder and a blade grinder. A blade grinder, um, you can get them for 10, 15 bucks, and it's literally just blades that spin around, almost like a blender. That's what we, okay, we have that. Yeah, yeah. that's what we have. So we have a yep. blade grinder, okay. So the problem with the blade grinder is that it doesn't grind consistently. You'll get like what they call dust in boulders. So you'll get little tiny coffee ground dust, and then you'll get bigger chunks of coffee grounds. Yeah, I've, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so burr just so, makes, it, makes it even throughout. Right, right. Okay. And even a good burger grinder will grind even coarse ground coffee like you need for a French press, but grind it consistently or do a finer grind consistently as well for okay. different methods. Yeah. Sounds good. So for someone who is looking to up their coffee game at home, a burr grinder for mm -hmm. 40 bucks, you said? A, a basic model? For $40, for $40 burr grinder? grinder. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, then a, uh, and then a drip coffee or French press, AeroPress, what's the, what's the next step you'd recommend? I think the French press is probably the easiest one okay. to start with. Um, you don't yeah, need yeah. a neck kettle for it. It's pretty easy to use, pretty hard to mess up. Um, yeah, that's probably what I would recommend. Okay. And then also important is a gram scale, which those, I mean, you can get them for 10 bucks and that's going to be totally fine. So any, any kitchen scale, you know, a lot of times they're marketed to like dieters, but any gram accurate we'll kitchen scale is going to do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Anything yeah. else you think we should know about coffee? Oh, one other method that's interesting and fairly easy to use is a mocha pot. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but it's uh, made. the most popular one is made by Bialetti. And it's got like a container at the bottom for water. And then above that is a little filter basket for the coffee. Yes, I have seen these things. Ooh, I don't know if I yeah. have. So you put it on the stove and then the steam, when that water starts boiling, forces the steam up through the coffee grounds and then out the top. Wow. And so... They call it stovetop espresso. It's not yes, true espresso. Okay, my oh, I've heard yeah. stovetop espresso. Okay, gotcha. Sister and brother-in-law make coffee this way. They make us lattes yep. on... Oh, um, that's what they use? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. They, uh, on our family holidays together, they use yeah. that. That's so cool. So it doesn't actually... It's not true espresso because it doesn't reach the uh, pressure required for true espresso, but it's a great option for like at-home espresso lattes. I use it. I make a bomb espresso martini with it. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. Yes. Yes. It's, wow. it's very good. Yes, Sadie please. says it's the best cocktail I make. Wow. So, cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a good option too. And it's fairly easy. Um, even using pre-ground coffee is not terrible in that. So yeah. Okay. Great. Um, yeah. One other note, I, I just read a book called where the wild coffee grows, which was a pretty interesting book. It's about a guy who traveled back to Ethiopia 
um, to figure out, you know, where coffee started. And it started in Ethiopia, grew wild. Um, in Latin America and really all over the world except Ethiopia, coffee has a big problem right now from coffee rust. Um, and that's due in large part to large monocrops where they took basically one tree out of Ethiopia, one seed, and everything, there's very little genetic diversity outside of Ethiopia and coffee. So one virus can just knock everything out. Wow. Um, and that's kind of what coffee rust is doing. So, so coffee rust is a coffee virus? Yeah, it's a virus that affects the leaves of the coffee trees, okay. plants, and uh, it kind of turns them white. And then within a couple of years, the plants basically shrivel up and die. Wow. Wow. And it can spread through entire plantations in a single season. So, yeah, Not good. it's a big deal. Yeah. So one of the points he made is that we can't consider the current immigration crisis in the U.S. without considering coffee. Because in, for instance, Bolivia, um, you know, up to 75% of the people might base their livelihood on coffee. Wow. And if coffee goes away, then they're going to want to immigrate or move. You know what I mean? So, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the advantage to wild coffee, like the Ethiopian coffees, is that it's not uniform and it grows in diverse flora. So it kind of has a lot of natural defenses against viruses because there's so much genetic diversity in it. So, yeah. Well, you covered my last question for you, at least, at least you partly did. I was going to ask you about resources, you know, maybe blogs our listeners can go to if they want to find out more about coffee. So this book, Where the Wild Coffee Grows, is certainly one of those. But anything else you'd recommend on sort of primers for coffee or just for continued reading about about coffee for someone who wants to get into this as a hobby like you have? Yeah. Um, for basic, like how to brew videos and instructions, I would look at Stumptown. Um, you can just Google Stumptown French press instructions or something like that. Um, art of manliness did a good, a good article, like seven ways to level up your morning coffee or something like that. If you just search art of manliness coffee, I'm sure you'll find it. And then Lifehacker has like a five-part series on coffee where they go over bean selection, um, grinders, method selection, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I forget what that is called exactly, but again, just Google Lifehacker coffee tips or something. I think like I just that. found that it's brew the perfect cup, the complete guy. There you go. That's all right, it. perfect. Yeah. Well, so yeah. thank you for that. For our listeners, I'm going to put all of this stuff uh, from the book to the blog resources and some of these links to things like mochas and burr grinders and stuff in the show notes if you do want to get into it. And uh, if you do, I think uh, Nate would probably be willing to uh, give you some advice uh, on social media. So find him there. Yep. Nate, Nate, what's your uh, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, Nathan.site. All right, yeah. cool. So find him there, the uh, the resident yeah. coffee expert. I'm inspired. I'm inspired to break out our French press. We're gonna pen. go. We're gonna go get a $250 golden cup drip coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that inspired. <laughs> I am. I'm inspired to get a little hand burr grinder. Yeah, though, and, yeah. And French press if, and if, little. If you have scale. a French press, I would. I would totally do that. Yeah. So, yeah. But but we also have to get the gram scale right. So burr grinder, yep. gram scale. But I think we can do that for like 50, right, so like 50 bucks. All right. Not not too yeah. terrible. All right. Yep. Well, cool. Thanks so much for talking us through this, Nate. I think uh, yeah. we are inspired to up our coffee game and hopefully some of our listeners are too yeah and like i said if you like what you're drinking i got no problem with that but if you want to level up then there's plenty of ways to do that so yeah sounds good man thanks a lot have a great night when i'm by your side